consider yourself normal, then this is not the show for you. Please go somewhere else. This is WYRD. If it's getting weird, it's got to be the Weird Mountain Gals show. The Weird Mountain Gals. It's the next episode of Weird Mountain Gals with Byron and Alicia. We're here at the little house eating chocolates, drinking tea, making snarky comments, listening to good music, and pontificating. And enjoying the heat that is on and warming up the house. It sure is. It's finally fall. Finally, out here in the Appalachian Mountains. I thought it would never come. You thought it would never come, I know. We went out here in Western North Carolina, we went from summer to early winter with really rare form, as they say, last night. Huh. Was I? I love doing that ritual. It was a, a very powerful ritual. It was cathartic. I was looking around at one point because that's what I do. <laughs> observe and realize just how cathartic it was. Mm-hmm. It was moving. I was noticing that there were so many people crying. Next year, I need to make sure we got tissues. Yes, ma'am. For people. Yes, ma'am. So the ritual that we're talking about is the ancestor ritual. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it, Byron. Well, I'm chewing chocolate. So hang on. We have been doing this thing for, we figure close on 22 years, every year we do an ancestor vigil. And in it we honor the people who have died in the past year, so the recent dead. We honor the long dead, so your ancestors. We honor the people who have been killed due due to religious persecution. We do chanting, singing, all that stuff. Commemorating. Commemorating, bell ringing. It's just, it's lovely. I love doing it. Some humming. Yep, every year I say, I don't care if anybody shows up, because I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm doing it for the ancestors. So if I just laid up a beautiful altar and lit all the candles and nobody showed up for it, I'd be okay with that. Now the reality is, well, we have 100 people last night. We had a lot of people last night. So people show up because they want to do that. They want to remember their beloveds that have died. And they did. They did. I, I listened to some comments and specifically some reasons that people showed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a moving experience. It really was. So, y'all, this ritual, this vigil, excuse me, it's not really a ritual. It's a vigil. Vigil. This has a long-rooted tradition in Appalachia, when you say, and way far back before just Appalachia. Well, we do we do death well here, and I say that because in in American culture in general, we don't do death but so well. But in the South and in the mountains, particularly in Appalachia, we understand what that means, and we know what to do. So if we hear that somebody has died. We, we immediately start frying chicken, making deviled eggs, 
making sweet tea, I would go to the house. And people outside this culture don't get that because they figure people in mourning need to be left alone with their grief. And we just don't, we don't cotton on to that. We figure you, if your loved one has died, you're going to need some people there to distract you. You're going to need food in the house. You're going to need all that stuff. You're so, going to need some help. Yeah. And you're going, and there's always the person who has the story of the death. Yes. So you get there. I'm writing about this in my new book. You, you get to the house of whatever you brought. And it used to be you made stuff in your kitchen. So you fried up a chicken, you made potato salad, whatever. So it took a little while. But now people just go by the grocery store and they pick up whatever they need. And then they go on over to the house with it. But anyway, you, you get to the house and there's going to be somebody there who, who will tell you the last few days of that person's life, yeah. how they die, the funeral arrangements as they, uh, as they stand right then. And people, they think, oh, I, I don't want them to have to repeat that again. No, that's what they need to do. And that's their role. And if you take their role away from them, then, then their grieving process doesn't really get to commence. It's so all about it. the grieving process Absolutely and what is. people expect from it as well because they know they know these customs and they know what to expect. Yep, they do. And they banana do. pudding and strong coffee. Strong coffee. And and somebody's going to come in and try and clean your house every time. That's right. That's right. And and they're probably not going to ask you about it, but they're going to go into the bathroom and make sure the hair looks okay, and they're going to notice maybe the toilet needs a little work or they need to yep. and they're just going to go to the kitchen and get some paper towels yep. and they're going to look under the sink and they're going to get some Windex yep. or whatever and they're going to go in there and clean it up. That's exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they'll clean the whole house. Yeah. Well, how many times have you stood in the kitchen and you've heard the story of the death now? So you are in the kitchen and you're just washing dishes. You're just collecting up solo cups and you're rinsing them out and putting them where they can be recycled. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, making room in the freezer. Ma making room in the yeah, refrigerator. Ma making room in the refrigerator. Making sure. And, you know, some places, some households are teetotal. So you got to make sure that the sweet tea is in the refrigerator and that there's ice in the ice trays or that the ice maker's working or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then some places are not teetotal and there's going to be a cooler somewhere that's got some beer and ice in it. Yep. You just keep putting beer in. I mean, everybody has a job to do, but sometimes your job is just to stand as witness and to hear the story. Sometimes your job is to gather people together to come over there as a tribe and just sit with them. Yep. That's yep. been a recent one. And and sometimes your job is to just go sign the book. Yep. That's right. And it, some of it depends on how close you are to the family. Mm -hmm. um, and, a, and a funeral's a funny thing. It will solidify a good family relationship. So if you, if you haven't seen your cousins in a few years and you're feeling a little bad because you haven't seen them, you're going to see them at their mama's funeral and they'd be hugging and laughing and all that stuff. 
But the other thing about it is that a funeral will also split a family apart. And I've seen that happen more than once, mm -hmm. where they, they've all been through the whole process and they feel like somebody is getting something they're not getting. Somebody's wronged somebody. Somebody's wronged somebody. How could you take that bookcase that's always been my bookcase? That's right. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's awful. I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. No, it isn't. I, I talked to a woman a couple years ago, I guess. I met her at a festival. And she was out of the country when her beloved grandmother died, and she got back, and that, that house was stripped. Wow. There was not anything worth having that hadn't been taken. And the one thing she got was the spice rack. And it was one of those old-fashioned ones, and it was kind of smudged and dirty. And that's what she got. And she was happy to have it because her grandmother had taught her how to cook. Oh. And she thought of all the things to have left behind for her, that was perfect. That is a... But it happens more, more often than not. It does. People and come in and just strip the place. You know, the older you get, the more of these stories you have. Yeah. You were uh, telling me that, and I was flashing back on this incident. Uh-huh. This incident. That's right. This other thing. And I was saying, no, I better not say it right here right. in front of everybody. Right. Well, you know. and there's always the weird fight, like the fight about the family Bible. <laughs> and, and, you know, there have been like 11 kids in the family, and this is the last one to die, and she's got the Bible. Well, who gets the Bible next? Well, does her oldest daughter get it? Or does somebody? It's just always a mess. I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now, and again, I'm just going, no, I'm not going to tell that story. No, I, I'm not going to tell that story. I'm not going to tell this story. I just came either. so close to telling a story that I, I do not have any right to tell <laughs> about the family Bible, if you're listening, my family. I know, I know who has it, and I know I'm supposed to have it. So there you go. There you go. There you go. That doesn't go away, does it? No, it doesn't. What would I do with it? I just know there's some dates and information in there I'd like to see. I'd just like to see the family Bible. Yeah. And well, then I'd give it back to the Christians who own it. Well, yeah. Fine with me. What can you say? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing about the family Bible. It was a much bigger deal than it is today. Yeah. People don't have family Bibles today that I know of. Not many people anyway. Mm -mm. But the family Bible was kind of like the Google Hub for those digital people out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You know, it had not just... It had a record of events. Mm -hmm. It had newspaper clippings and recipes and photographs and you name it. Love, and it, it love letters from World War One. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff happens in a family Bible. Well, I'm gonna go back just for a minute to uh, talking about the death because I I was in the Poconos teaching a class last week and. I was telling the story that we just told you about how we do death in the Southern Highlands. And this woman who is, she's a psychologist and she works with PTSD and grief processes. Okay. And after the class, she came up to me and she said, they are discovering in treating PTSD that if the person to whom the trauma happened has a good listening ear, listening to the story, that the more they tell the story, the easier it is to step back from the actual trauma wow. and heal from it. And she said, so we're just now discovering how important that is, but obviously culturally in Appalachia, we knew that the more you talked about it, the easier it was going to be both to accept it and to also start the real grieving process. Mm -hmm. That's exactly So that right. was good to hear. 
Well, and I was not around for the pre-funeral home era when we took care of our own, yeah, so to speak. And ever since I was born, so okay, I'm 55, I'll just say it. Yeah. Uh, and in the last 55 years, it's primarily been an issue of the funeral home takes care of, of everything. Of everything. Yeah. And you walk away from it, and that's such a shock sometimes. I think, but, but I also think it is such a convenience for people, especially now. It's just so much more convenient to let them handle all the details, because there's a lot of details. When somebody dies, there's a lot of like legal stuff that has to be taken care of. Um, I mean, it used to be back in the day, which was before my day too, um, that somebody died at home, and then the the women would clean the body and put on grandma's best dress or whatever, on her comb her hair and all that, and the men would be out in the barn with planks, building a coffin, mm -hmm. and if the weather permitted, they'd go dig the hole. And you, when the preacher got there, then they would bury bury little grandmommy. Um, and that, it's very natural and very kind of simple, and grief is immediate that way. Well, and that's the vigil, too, that came came into play. At that point, you had somebody sitting with the body. Absolutely. Bodies were ne a body was never left alone. Right. Um, yeah, because it was, it was bad manners, but there was also a superstitious quality about that. Um, and generally, they were... They were laid out on a table. Sometimes it would have been the big old kitchen table, and that would have been brought into the parlor or brought into whatever big room they had. Sometimes it was a door, wasn't Sometimes it? Sometimes it was a door on a sawhorses. Yeah. And they would have had some cloth over it, quilts or whatever. Whatever they could do. Yeah, and the, all the curtains in the house would have been closed, and the mirrors might have been covered. The mirrors not, would have been covered. Yeah, not everybody did that, but most people covered the mirrors. And they talked in hushed tones as long as the body was there. And that was a, it was a, a way to show you respect. But also there was, again, that kind of superstitious thing about, about waking the dead and about letting them go in peace and be in peace. And as crazy as our lives are now, if you were living the life of a subsistence farmer or a little shop owner or any of those things that our ancestors were, you, you didn't have much peace. Mm -mm. So the idea that you could lay down in peace and just rest there till you went to your final home, yep. that was, it's a beautiful thing. There's a whole kind of a strange culture around it, you mm -hmm. know. Are you an eBay person? I've never asked. No, not if I'm helping. Um, you know, I'm fascinated with eBay, and and I get on eBay every now and then. And I went through a phase when I was buying and selling antiques, and eBay was just this whole frontier for me. Yeah, that yeah. that that got my imagination, and I began to collect these things called. Um, CDVs, uh, Cardavistas. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a whole culture of, of people who would go and photograph or have a photographer in to photograph or bring their loved one to yep. the photographer uh, if, yeah. you were, if you were in town. Yeah. If you were in town. And uh, they would photograph the person who had passed away for you. And these yeah. are, were popular CDVs to collect 
because the quality of them was so good. And do you know why? Because dead people don't move. <laughs> some of those are very creepy pictures, though. More than some of them, yeah. yeah. They're just, it is not just, you know, beautiful little grandmommy in her little flower dress. They, they were like posed to look like they were still alive and oh, <laughs> just they're very strange. Well, I think pre-CDVs, or maybe at the same time, I don't know what I'm talking about on this, but there were these things called daguerreotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And daguerreotypes were kind of stamped on mirrors, and they were in these tiny little cases that would close that looked like plastic, what we would call plastic. Yeah. But it was really a type of rubber called gutta percha. Mm -hmm. And they'd have these little morbid little pictures of dead babies yeah. that they passed around among the family. Mm -hmm. And they somehow survived. And I found out about that by accident on eBay as I was oh, saying. That's, that's what I was really asking. interesting. Yeah, and there's this whole yeah. subculture. So I got out there and started studying it, and I realized that so much of it pointed to guess where? Appalachia. Appalachia. Yes. It's like we're kind of dark about that sort of thing and out there about that sort of thing at yeah. the same time. It's it's uh, interesting. Well, we take it very seriously. Very seriously. Yeah, um, yeah a, a good friend of mine's dad uh, died. Oh gosh, it's been two years ago, I guess now, maybe more. And he was, uh, he played music with Bill Monroe. Oh. So he was very well known, very well respected. And it was so interesting, the line for the viewing was out the door of this yeah. little this little funeral home. And, and everybody kind of knew everybody else. And mm -hmm. they were talking about, oh, remember that time we did this? Remember? So there's that beautiful social piece that I think is really important, especially for the grieving process. How long ago was that? I can't remember. Maybe two, two, two years, years ago, yeah. something like that. Um, so that is an important part, but then there's also that real close family stuff. Mm -hmm. And no, we didn't. We don't do it that way. Or we. And I'm just thinking about. It. I will tell this story. So my beloved grandmother died, and my father's family is always buried out of one funeral home in the area, and uh, my mother's family from the other. So two different funeral homes, depending on which family member. So we, I went out to the funeral home where my mother's people are buried from. And, you know, I'm going through the, she wants this and she wanted a casket burial. She wanted a burial. So I'm picking out caskets and doing all, all this other stuff. And I said, oh, and by the way, she needs to be buried on her side. And the fellow's like, well, ma'am, we, we, don't, we don't usually do that. <laughs> And it's because of the balance, you know, there's a lot, there were a lot of reasons he explained to me. I said, I, you, I don't think you're hearing me. I'm telling you, my grandmother told me to tell you that she wants to be buried on her side. She won't be able to sleep well because she never has been able to sleep on her back. That's interesting. And he just kept nodding and, you know, and like, well, ma'am, we, and I said, I, my job is done here. All I was supposed to do was tell you. So if you don't do it, and there's a little bitty, short, black-haired woman come after you <laughs> out of the grave, then that's your problem and not my problem. He said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So I didn't ask again, so I don't know. Well, let's just assume, have you seen that guy again? I have not. <laughs> 
he might have gotten out of the funeral home business because he had this little black-haired woman at his elbow all the time. Oh, the ghost of a little black-haired woman, let me say that. In, in his dreams. In yes, his she's dreams. always there saying, why'd you do that to me? I can't sleep or nothing. Thank you for spending your time with us here at Weird Mountain Gals. We sure do appreciate it. You know, I know time is the most important thing we have, so I promise that if you take your time to listen to us, we'll take our time to continue to be weird. Many thanks to Sunslice Records for all the help. We couldn't do it without you, Craig. our social media for information, community, or a few laughs. W-Y-R-D Mountain Gals. W-Y-R-D.